Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center. I am Pastor Marquise Franklin, and I am excited that you would take the time to listen to our latest sermons and what God is doing in this ministry. New Creation Christian Center is in Seattle, led by Pastor Harold and Annis Franklin. And our statement is, come as you are and be transformed by the word of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God that is going to be shared today. Check it out and share it with somebody that may need it. Now, let's get into this week's message. So we're going to um, continue. Anybody else before we move on? Have any prayer request? Anything? want to thank God and for keeping Obed and his family safe last night and also Jane because yes, the fires were all the fire area was all in that area and uh, Jackie and you know Jackie that's the last thing Jackie wanted to see right <laughs> she just got through going through a fire but we thank God for keeping us amen we give him praise because he the old folks used to say he kept me from all evil and we thank him for that amen I'm just excited about Jesus I don't know about you but I'm, I'm just stirred in my spirit about what he's doing and I'm expecting testimonies of healing and victory provision open doors whatever God you need God to do we expect so I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to preach and I only have a couple points today so it'll probably be shorter I always say that then I go longer but um, so let's pray and then get in today's message father we thank you for the your manifestation your presence your glory And Lord God, as I minister the word, I pray that your presence stays, abide with us. As Moses says, don't take your presence from us. And I know you don't leave. We just sense you more in different times. But the word says you're everywhere at all times. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through me as I attempt to bring the word that you gave to me today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen. So we're still talking about the things that we believe as a body. We're on number six. I'm going to add some things next week, but we're going to do two of the last things that are listed on the, uh, the notes that I posted. And number six today is the church. Everybody say the church. And the statement says this, it says, we believe in one church, united in Christ, and saved by God's grace through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. We believe King Jesus is the sovereign, sustaining, authoritative head of the church. We believe that the ultimate goal and purpose of the church is to glorify God and be the local outworking of Christ's body. This means that we as Christians meet together in the context of the local church and are together called to sing, pray, hear the preaching of the word, God's word, practice baptism and communion, build up one another, and be a continual witness 
to the watching world. We have to, this is where the church has stumbled. We, because of the, the division in the church, we bicker over who's the church. And the church is all who have called on God's name and have been born again. That is the church. Now the church is in every church. Say that. Every, every denomination, the church is in every church. Amen? But the denominations are not the church. Amen? And so it's, it's like God has a people within a people. And it's those that are sold out to do his will that are his. There are a lot of people that go to church that are not really, haven't even accepted Christ yet. I'll even go as far to say there's a lot of ministers that are preaching that are not even saved. They looked at this as a job and they thought it would be a good job to have and they became a priest, a pastor, a bishop or whatever because it was a job. They've not been transformed, not at all. Which is why we get so many digress, di, so much digress, well, one might say not digression, but so much dis, distorted views in the church. Because there's some people that have not surrendered to the will, the plan, the word, and the spirit of God. Because, see, when you do that, although there are some things that you, we might debate over, there's, most of the stuff is not that difficult to understand. Amen? But you would think, listening to the, the debates, and I'm not talking about political debates, I'm talking about the Christian world debates, that the word of God is so unclear that there's no way we could understand it. But that's, of course, the lie of the enemy. He tries to make it difficult because he wants you to give up. Amen? So the church is one, it is united. No matter what it looks like, the church under the Spirit of God is united. Say the church is united. The church is not going to be united under denominational banners. It's just not going to happen. The leaders of the denominations will never come together and form or, and, and work with each other. Now, all we really need is for them to stop fighting one another. I mean, there's churches that will say, which me as a, what I would call myself a Pentecostal guy, a charismatic or whatever you want to call it, they call me a devil because I speak in tongues. Oh, they call me uh, a fanatic because I believe that we can lay hands on the sick and believe that God would heal them. So when the church stops calling each other names, <laughs> then we can start to see more unity. See, it's not about where you go. It's about who you serve. And if you serve the Lord Jesus, you see in your brothers and sisters the connection right away. And so as long as we 
put our denominational doctrines above the word of God, we will have division. But when we say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, then God will get the glory out of situations. Remember, the problem with the Pharisees was not that they didn't know the word. Amen? Because when, when Herod wanted to know where Jesus was going to be born, or the Messiah, as, he's, as he was called, who did he go to? The Pharisees and the scribes. And then what did they tell him? They told him exactly where Jesus would be born, right? And when they came to John the Baptist, they asked him, are you Elijah? Are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? They knew the Messiah was due. They had just made it, we call it tradition, but it's the same thing. The doctrine of the Pharisees were greater than the revelation that God had given. And so they stumbled at the revelation and stuck to the doctrine. Amen? You guys with me on this? So until the church learns to push away our own personal preferences, everybody say preferences, because that's really what divides people, are our preferences. How many like chicken? How many like beef? How many like pork? How many like bacon? Now, how many are going to hell because they eat pork? See, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we do. Oh, you, the Bible says the pork is an unclean animal, so you're not supposed to be eating pork. And so everybody who eats pork now is a sinner. And so we can't fellowship with you because you won't follow the word. Well, of course, we know that pork was included as an unclean animal, but in the New Testament, he did away with that. He said, you can eat anything as long as you give thanks. Now, he did limit it to still don't eat blood. He did say that. Don't drink blood. None of us are vampires. Did you guys know there are people that think they're vampires? And, of course, they do what? They drink blood. And, of course, that's, that is still forbidden in the New Testament. Let's uh, go to Acts 15. He talks about eating blood. But for the most part, everything else is preference. If you don't want to eat pork, that's fine. Don't eat it. If you don't even want to eat meat, that's okay. But don't send everybody to hell because they are not doing what you prefer not to do. Amen? That's what denominationalism has done. It has exalted preference over the body. And we are supposed to not, the scripture says, and I think it's, I, didn't, I don't have the in front of me, but Paul said, don't offend your brother because of meat. Huh? And he, he used it in the context of eating things that were offered to idols. But it's the similar, and, and, and I don't have a problem eating things offered with idols. I'm not talking about me personally, because that's not really an issue for me. But he says, but don't allow your freedom to be a stumbling block for someone else. And we condemn people, we 
We fight over baptismal methods. We fight over confirmation, whether you should be confirmed or shouldn't be confirmed, whether we uh, should baptize babies or infants or whatever. All these things we're fighting over, but they're all preferences. The scripture says baptize. Now, I think, this is my opinion based on the scripture, that in order to be baptized, you have to have a knowledge of what you're doing. Okay? Everybody agree with that? And so because of that, you have to be of age to know that you've accepted Christ as your Savior. But on the other hand, that's why they have confirmation. Am I right? See, most of us don't grow up. We haven't grown up in that tradition. Obed and his family, they, they grew up in that tradition. But see, that's not a point for us to be fighting over. We're still the body. If they've accepted Christ, they're still a part of the body. And the body is supposed to possess as God leads us. And our possession is not that we take territory. Our possession is that we win souls. And because we win souls, those souls multiply and we influence more of the culture. And we change. That's how the, the world changed in the early parts of the, after Jesus died. Because the, the atmosphere was different because the believers were greater number. And that's how it became that Christianity became the, the state religion of Rome, and which might have been a mistake, but nevertheless, they had begun to dominate it so much, they had to give in to it. Now, you might say, well, that was Catholicism. Well, everybody's got their issues. But my point is, the church is still his body. And no, everybody in the denominational world is not a part of the church. But that is not for us to decide. All we're here to have fellowship one with the other. And that's why we have to be careful when we get into disputes with people in the church. Everybody say, be careful. Because we, are, have to, we have to learn to always to be humble. Arguing, disputing is not a way to humble yourself. <laughs> and I speak from experience. When you start debating people, when you start arguing over whether you should be dunked or dipped or sprinkled, that is not a humbling process. It is an exaltation of your knowledge. And the Bible says the flesh, when it gets exalted, is due for a fall. So you always have to be careful. I used to debate Christians about stuff like that. I, I, was, I think I told you guys this. I was gung-ho. Anybody who, and everybody, bring them on. And then one day I got... Somebody embarrassed me because I thought I knew more than I knew. And I, he showed me I didn't really know very much. And God, after that point, I stopped debating people. Not because I was embarrassed, because God showed me that you, you have no business debating. If you want to discuss in a reasonable way without getting upset, that's fine. But when it becomes a 
Well, I believe this, and I believe that, and you believe that, and I believe that. That's when it has to stop. Because we are all a part of the church. I remember my, my father-in-law, before he passed away, his, he was a part of a different denomination than we were. And so was his older son. And he brought him over so that we could talk about the Bible. And I said, well, yeah, we could talk about the Bible. And then he, then he, so he, he, he put out some things. I'm not going to debate about it, though. I'm not going to try to convince them that their denomination is wrong. My only question was, has he accepted Christ as his Savior? And he says, yes. And he says, so am I. I said, we have nothing to, to argue about. We're part of the same family. Amen? Everybody in the family, just think of your own family. Everybody in the family is not the same, has the same intelligence, right? They don't have the same information. They don't know the same things. You have a general sense of a base sense of information, but you don't kick them out because they don't know what you know. Do you? Uh, I hope you guys, <laughs> I hope you don't do that. Although we do do some of that sometimes with our family. You Get out because you ain't doing right. And sometimes you got to do that. But anyway, but we're still brothers. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. Now, what, what we cannot ever be is satisfied in our salvation. What do I mean by that? In other words, we get, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and that's all. No, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will fill you. He will give you new experiences with him. But if you just say, I'm saved, I'm going to go to church, I may read the Bible every now and then, but I'm not going to do much praying, I don't have time for that. You're not going to grow and, and chances are you're going to be deceived. You have to be persistent in your growth in the things of God. Because we are street, we're swimming upstream. And if you don't swim, the current is going to take you out. Amen? We're just halfway through this sermon, but our prayer is that God is already speaking a dynamic word to you personally. But don't keep it to yourself. We need you to testify. We want to hear what God is doing. Give us a call or text us at 425-686-8197 to let us know what God is doing. If you're on Facebook, contact us at facebook.com slash newcreationcc or on Twitter at New Creation WA. Now, let's tune in for the second half of this sermon. That's why it's so important for all, everybody say all, all of us to read the Bible. How many of you guys read the Bible daily? How many of you listen to it daily? You gotta get the word in you because that is the the, the weapon that we have to fight the things that are coming our way. That's the only weapon that we have. It's the sword of the Spirit. And now God sends angels. His Spirit is with us. He directs us. But if we don't have the Word, the enemy can deceive us. And that's what the church has to fight against. The, Jesus said, I will build my church. And what will happen? And the gates of hell, what? Will not prevail against it. But guess what? If you don't know that the gates 
are coming, he, it's going to prevail. He's going to prevail against you. If you don't know that the enemy uses deception as a weapon, self-pity to, to get you to doubt what God has already told you, you're going to lose. People will get hopeless. They're depressed and all, the, all this, what we've been going through, and now they throw the smoke, the smoke stone in. First you had to wear a mask, now you can't even go outside. <laughs> <laughs> and I even went outside and started feeling, man, this, this smoke is strong. And so a lot of people are depressed over this. But our hope is not in the fact that we can or can't go outside. I mean, I want to go outside, but that's not my hope. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's what my hope is built on. And I will not trust the sweetest frame. I'm, saying, I'm doing a song for those that don't know that song. But I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground, he had to say that twice, is sinking sand. Because anything else you hold on to is not able to keep you. And so you have to, especially in times like these, you've got to let the word be your guide. What's going to happen with the job? I don't know, but God has got that situation under control. I mean, people haven't paid me. I haven't, some of my cases haven't settled, but I'm not, you don't see me sweating. Well, maybe you need to come over to my house. Maybe I do sweat. But probably my wife doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. She knows that she she knows my name anyway. But even in the midst of not receiving what I normally get, I still have hope. I will not allow the enemy to persuade me not to believe in God. But see, if you don't know the word, you won't know that the devil comes to do that. You won't know that the devil is trying to trick people to believe that something is true when it's not. That's why we have the church not knowing whether same-sex marriage is right or not. But it's very clear from the scripture. It's not difficult. It's just only difficult and, and let, me, let me just be fair. A lot of us in the church get, try to back off our convictions because we know somebody in that predicament. Am I right? And see, that's fine. That, that, and see, just because you stand for something different from what somebody does doesn't mean you hate somebody. That's what the world is trying to get you to believe. Oh, you, you don't believe in same-sex marriage, so you hate gay people. No, nobody hates anybody. That's just like me saying I don't believe in people stealing so I hate every thief. That's the same pr principle. That's the same logical uh, deduction. But it's not that I hate anything. I just I don't approve of their behavior. Right? I mean, do you want somebody to come in and rob your house and tell them as they go, I love you so much for doing that. 
No, you, you, you will not allow someone to take what is wrong, something to do something wrong. But I don't hate the person. I want Jesus to change everybody's heart. And, you know, we all, we're, we're debating about this, this, and this. It's all a heart problem. Everybody say it's a heart problem. People can't get on the same accord if they're not believing in the same thing. The Bible says that about couples. He says, what, what unity or what uh, communion or does God have with the devil or righteousness with unrighteousness? Don't be, that's the, the unequally yoked passage. If you're not believing the same things, we're not going the same direction. So the church has to believe that we are going in the same direction and Jesus is the leader. Everybody say, Jesus leads. One of the problems that we have with the church world are some, you know, I've read from you some of the Nicene creeds and the apostolic creeds, but later the church started to make edicts like, well, Mary is the mother of God. Well, of course, Mary is Jesus' mother. I mean, that, that's why that makes intuitive sense, right? Mary is Jesus' mother and Jesus is God. So Mary is the mother of God, right? But that doesn't make Mary God. <laughs> huh? But that's what has happened and then one of the early bishops, and I can't remember his name, but this was like 100, 200 AD, he proclaimed that all things have to be determined by the bishop, Rick. So that's why you have what you have. Bishops making this, well, no, if the bishop is gonna read the word and come up based on what the word says, then okay, the bishops can do that. But if the bishop is just going to come out of the blue and say, I don't believe what the Bible says, so I'm going to come up with my own edict. This is what we're going to do as a church. No, then the bishop is wrong. Amen? The Bible is the final authority, not people. And the church world has made man the final authority and not God. And of course, remember, remember what we talked when we started this. The reason why the, the creeds were created is because the general public could not read. And the bishop seized on that and says, well, the average person shouldn't read the Bible. Did you guys know that? For centuries, everybody say centuries, the average human being never could read the Bible because they were not spiritual enough. But that's what happened when that changed when the printing press came. But you know what? When was the printing press invented? Anybody know? 1500 AD. So for 1500 years, the Bible was not available to the average person. Well, no wonder they were doing all kinds of crazy things. They don't know what the Bible says unless that the pastor tells them. And if the pastor don't tell them, they don't know. But they know the creeds. <laughs> and that's not enough to carry you through fights. To carry you, keep you from stumbling. To keep you in perfect peace. Because you don't even know how to keep your mind on him. 
Are you with me here? So the church has to get back to trusting the word, following the word, and allowing the Holy Spirit to be our leader and not people. We appreciate leaders, human leaders, but ultimately God is the leader. Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The last point for today is restoration. We believe that not only has Jesus come once for the salvation of his church, but that he is coming back again for final judgment of the living and the dead. Jesus is coming back again. Everybody still believe that? (laughs) You say, well, look, Pastor, I've been hearing that ever since I was a kid. I've been hearing that. They've been saying that ever since Jesus left. And, and, and to be honest with you, the disciples actually thought he was coming back in their lifetime. They did. That's why they didn't write any books for about 20 or 30 years. Because they really believed that Jesus would be back in their lifetime. But what was, what was the cam- command Jesus gave them? Go into what? All the world. They hadn't gone into all the world. They had pushed out into a lot of the world, the, the known world, but there's, there were islands that they hadn't even discovered yet. They hadn't even gotten to the Americas yet. So there was a lot of world to get to. So the world, Jesus is still coming. He's still going to judge the earth. He's still going to rule and reign on the earth. He's still going to create a new heaven and a new earth. He's still going to start this thing all over again. He's still going to judge the devil. He's still going to send him to hell with all of his angels. But it's going to take, it's in in his time. It's in his season. But as Paul says in, in, in Romans, it's getting closer every day. And this, this smoke, and you know, this is, this is only a regional thing, so don't say, oh gosh, the end is coming. No, it, it may be coming to the Northwest, <laughs> but it, it's not coming to, the, the whole world is not under smoke, just the Northwest, California, Oregon, huh? That's interesting, isn't it? Some of those, those is, is this a, a word picture of, we've got smoke in our eyes? And can't see? Could this be a, a picture that God is trying to show us about this region? Because we surely can't see clearly in this region. So, and, and I'm praying that rain comes, but I'm only doing it half-heartedly. <laughs> because I'm saying, well, maybe this is what God wants. Maybe, I mean, we've got the plague, and they still won't let go. (laughs) But now we got smoke in our eyes, and we can't see. And it reminded me of the blackness that Moses called upon Egypt. Now, that was probably a lot worse, because it was just dark all the time. And back then, they didn't have street lights. So they... You know, walking around with a candle wasn't good enough. I mean, when, if, you, if we didn't have street lights, it would be pitch black outside at night. 
unless the moon was out. And then that's only giving you a little bit of light. And then throw in all the trees around you. You, you, you better stay home because everything is out in the, at that time. But Jesus is coming again. He is going to judge those that won't obey him. Just like he said in this parable. He said, those that didn't want me to rule over them, bring them to me so that I can kill them and kill them in front of me. Now that, you might, that was Jesus that said that. Sweet, lovable Jesus. The lover of our soul. He, look, Jesus is not a, 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 a toy. He's not a pretend God. He is a righteous, holy God. But right now, he is a loving, forgiving, graceful God. But there is going to come a time where this, the clock is going to stop. And just like he sent rain on the earth the first time and had no remorse about doing it, he's going to judge the earth. And he doesn't have any remorse because we deserve it. But we don't want people to fall under that condemnation. We don't wish anybody to go to hell. At least I hope we don't. We want people to get saved. But the reality, not even all of his disciples got saved. Imagine that. Judas lived with Jesus for three years and didn't get saved. So it's not, uh, it's not a hard thing to get lost in the midst of knowing Jesus. Are you with me here? And that's why I say we have to be persistent in our pursuit of him. It can't just be we're associated with him. We have to know him. Amen? We can't just be associates. We really need to be his friend. Because he says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Well, are you Jesus' friend? Are you God's friend? Or are you just hanging out? In the, in, the, in the outskirts, just staying close just in case I hear the trumpet sound <laughs> so I won't be too far away. If you're not in it, you're going to miss the trumpet. You might say, well, what's the trumpet, Pastor? That's the thing that he said he would blow when he comes. That's what I mean by the trumpet, not the guy on the street that's just blowing the trumpet but he said he, a trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to be with him and so shall we ever be with the Lord and he said comfort one another with these words so the coming of Jesus should comfort us but it also should put us on alert that we need to be pursuing him. We need to be a witness. And it's not just we've got to tell, you know Jesus, you know Jesus, you know Jesus, you know Jesus, you know Jesus. No, live it out so that they're drawn to Jesus. I did something that was kind of bizarre yesterday. I, I was at the gas station and, and I saw this guy, you know, nowadays at the gas station they have vending machines. I saw this guy come up to the pop machine and he was in looking in, like he was inquiring. He opened it up and he grabbed the pop and he took off. And he looked at me when he did it. 
And so then he, he took off and he kept looking back. So at first I just thought he bought it, but then the fact that he kept looking, I realized he had stolen it. And I said, no, this guy stole the pop. Was, I went over there to see how much the pop cost. It was $1.50. And so I paid for it. I told the, the guy, I said, the guy over there just stole the bottle of pop. But I'm going to pay for it for him. He said, oh, you don't have to do that. I said, I don't have to. But. And he will never know what I did, but I pray that God would reveal to him that's what grace is. You're a thief but he paid the price. That's what we have to demonstrate. That's how we have to show the world that Jesus is in us. Amen? That's what's going to make the difference. And like I said, he'll never know unless that guy tells him. But God will reveal it to him. Well, yeah, that's true. He didn't look like he was hooked up to the internet, but then again, he could have a phone. Everybody has a phone nowadays. But God is faithful, and he will draw us to him even in the deepest, darkest pits. I mean, how many of us came out of a, a mess when we got saved? Huh? All of us. <laughs> we just didn't know it, right? I mean, some of us were, like me, a good sinner. I was a clean sinner. I swore a little bit. I watched some pornography, and, but I didn't steal. Well, not too much. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, when you go down the list, you realize you did a lot of stuff you shouldn't have done. And, but you were good, a good person. And it all comes back, I didn't kill nobody. <laughs> but the Bible says if you steal, lie, cheat, you've broken the whole law. You're just as guilty as a murderer. You might say, well, how can that be, Pastor? How can I be a thief and be as guilty as a murderer? Because sin in God's eyes is sin. Now, that, that doesn't mean the penalty is the same. Because a murderer can be executed. A thief wasn't executed. But you were still a sinner. Are you with me? So we were all in a mess. We just didn't know how deep of a mess we were in. And God brought us out. So that's what we want to demonstrate to people, that the church is, is advancing, the kingdom is advancing, and that Jesus is coming back again to restore. Everybody say restore. Everything that he started, he wants to do again. That's why he's coming again. And we're going we're gonna to be better protected because he's going to actually be living with us. You know, and then he says, ain't no devil coming up in here anymore. <laughs> That's what he said. That's why he had to get rid of him first before he opens the new heaven and the new earth. Amen? All right, let's, we're, we're going to close now. Let's stand. We thank you for listening to today's sermon. And we pray that you are impacted to become the new creation that God desires. We at New Creation Christian Center invite you to come join us for service Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. located at 5150 South Cloverdale Street, Seattle, Washington. Also, feel free to visit us online at newcreationwa.org. New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life, where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God.